Authentic Life with Josiah Ball. All right, guys, what is up? This is the first episode of season three of your Authentic Life podcast. Uh, I'm excited. I hope you love the changes. We have the new logo. Uh, we have a new uh, cover for the podcast. We have a new Instagram. If you want to go ahead and follow that right now, your your Authentic Life pod on Instagram. Uh, more things to come. We're going to have merch rolling out in the next month uh, that you can purchase uh, that helps support me and the podcast itself. And also I have news about my life as well, uh, but we're going to be doing a lot of cool things uh, with this podcast. At the end of every single episode, I'm going to do a movie review, either a movie I just seen or an older film that I love. Uh, just I love movies and I'm calling it pick and flick. I'll be doing a whole variety of movies that I've either just watched or uh, or, or things I recommend. Maybe I'll do a little bit of both. Hey, I just watched this it's good. Hey, I just watched this. It's not as good. Uh, you can pass on it. You can either pick it or flick it if you know what I mean. Uh, so that's going to be at the end of every episode of the podcast. But until, uh, we get there, I want to introduce our guest speaker for this episode, Dr. David Ireland. Uh, I, I realize that I don't give much background and biographies of a lot of our speakers that we've had, because we kind of go into it a little bit while we're uh, in the conversation on the podcast. But I, I do want to introduce them before uh, we get into it. So with uh, Dr. David Ireland, he is actually the founder and lead pastor of Christ Church. Uh, and it's a 10,000 member multi-site congregation in North Jersey. And it's, and uh, he we talk about a little bit in the podcast, which you hear, he has a heart for the diversity of of the church and which with that they represent about 70 nationalities within their congregation. Um, he was the former diversity uh, consultant for the national basketball association. And he's led chapel services for uh, some of your favorite teams, maybe not my favorite teams essentially, but uh, the New York giants and the New York jets. And he's uh, done chapel services at the U S Pentagon. So he has his reach all over the place. And if you, I just want you to dial into this episode um, and get his books, go and follow him. He has a profound speaker, uh, just has a profound heart for God and his people. So listen in and stay tuned at the end for my movie review on Oppenheimer. Thank you. Hey there, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the first episode of season three of Your Authentic Life. Uh, I am honored today to be sitting with uh, Pastor Dr. David Ireland of uh, Christ Church. Uh, he's been pastoring that church for, founded the church, started from the beginning uh, for 36 years. And so welcome to the podcast, Dr. David. My pleasure, Josiah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you and your listening audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, 36 years, you said, right? That's, yeah. that's awesome. That That's commitment right there. It's no reflection on my age. I started when I was two years old. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you know, you hear pastors, you know, starting a church and it starts to, you know, not go ways they want. There's the ups and downs and like, maybe I'm not called to this. So it's like really amazing that you are, you've been in it, you've traveled, you've written books, you've um, spoke prophetically over people and you're just doing so much and you're still in it for the kingdom. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it because what it means for me when I see I've had the chance to marry people, have them watch them have children and yeah. then marry their children and dedicate their grandchildren. So wow. it's very rewarding for me when I experience that. So I'm honored to be a servant of the Lord in the local church. Yeah. Generations. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So um, I don't know if you know, you probably do know this, but I mean, uh, I've known you, I mean, not known you well, but like through my parents, through the years, my parents were pastoring, you prophesied over me a couple of times at Lighthouse growing up. And, um, you know, I've seen you in other places as well. And, uh, you know, you, you spoke a word over me when I was a teenager saying, you know, God's calling you to be a builder. Um, and I didn't understand what that meant back then. You know, I was like, I'm not into construction at all. And, uh, there's nothing fully really clear about, it. you know, you only see in part. And then, uh, but now it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually doing things. I'm building things. I'm building communities. I was a youth pastor for five years and built that. And it was just amazing to see that word come to pass in many different ways. And so wonderful, so, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so clear, clear vision from God. It's amazing. Yeah. So and, and it's it's things like this that's make it rewarding when I get a chance to see young men like yourself as teenagers and got involved in ministering to you. Yeah. And then now as watching you come into your own, so to speak, and do what God's called you to do, it's rewarding. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what what's new with you? What's what's God like teaching you right now in this season? And uh what 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 are you what are you at? What are you doing? Well, I know in terms of from a ministry perspective, I'm involved in this big project right now. It's a $30 million project. I'm trying to build mm. a care center. So the words of Jesus out of Matthew 25, verse 36, where I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty mm -hmm. and you gave me something to drink. Those words became more of a reality to me over the past 12 months. And it's forced me, you know, to you know to do something big, yeah. and and so you know we have about twenty different programs that'll work out of the care center. It's a four year project, so I believe we'll go into construction phase next year this time. Wow! Uh, and uh, you know, so anywhere from a legal clinic to a food store to mental health clinic, you know, so it's a whole bunch of things to help deal with helping people who are the marginalized in society and to help them really find hope and a sense of belonging and for them to come into God's dream for their lives. Wow. And so that's what we're, we're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I have such a heart for, you know, my community here in Rochester and reaching those who might not get those tools or trying to get those essential things for their lives in other places that aren't the church or not necessarily um, the most wholesome places that they can get it at. And cause that's all the only options they have. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm currently, uh, I just got hired at a job that focuses on that as well. And it's wanting to oh, reach excellent. the, you know, lower communities in our areas and trying to uplift them, um, and really just represent Christ to them. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a challenge to, for the church, cause I think we would love to just simply, study the Bible and live out our faith in our individualistic lifestyle mm -hmm. and not and not do anything to engage the community, to be the eyes and the arms and the feet and the hands of Jesus in this world. But we're living in a society where people, they're going to listen to you as you yeah. serve them. If you don't serve them, they don't want to hear anything you have to say. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that, uh, we have to go this route. And and frankly, the gospel has to have that dual edge to it. One edge 
it's there's a witness of the gospel. I'm doing right. the work of the gospel. And the other is I'm preaching the word. So it has both word and witness. And if I mm-hmm. miss out on one of those ingredients and it's not really the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like right now there's a real uh, heightened, you know, thing around revival, right? It's, you know, we saw it um, recently at Asbury and people are like, striving for this revival. And I, I use the word striving because sometimes it seems like there, you know, people are like on their face crying out, we want revival. But, you know, I have a firm belief that what you're doing, you know, it's that kind of, you're saying that two part, it's not just being there praying for it. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works amazing things. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen God just move through prayer. Um, and revival does start with prayer, but if you are, you know, what is, what is the heartbeat behind the revival is it to help uplift yourself or help to reach Christ into the community um, that you're around to see people come to know him. And and I agree with you. I think that both are necessary. And I think that yeah. some parts of the church focuses strictly on humanitarian efforts to the neglect of the gospel mis- message. Mm-hmm. Others focus on the gospel message to the neglect of taking care of the whole person. And mm-hmm. Jesus was challenging us in Matthew 25 there that, look, he said, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. In other words, this is not this is not strictly, quote unquote, a government handout. It's the gospel. Yeah. In, Acts, in Acts 6, we see that the apostles were involved in a food service business because the widows that were among them did not have any government mm-hmm. support or subsidies. So the church stepped up and it was wow. very much part of the ministry of the church. And so, you know, and they also believed in revival. The scripture says that the apostles gave themselves to prayer and the word. And then Mm -hmm. they chose other individuals who give themselves primarily to the care of the of of the widows by way of meeting their food needs. It doesn't mean that we have to neglect one versus the other. We have a responsibility to do both. And frankly, there's a tension. You know, it takes time to do both. And so there's a tension. There's a time constraint and a time demand on both those areas. But we have to give themselves to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, how many, um, how many campuses do you have now? Is it just the, I, I had Ryan well, on here, Pastor Ryan, he's, yeah, he's been Ryan with you for a while, yeah. for a while. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, he's a campus pastor for our campus in Clifton, New Jersey. Yeah. So we have three physical campuses and one, which is the online campus. So four campuses, yeah. awesome. and we're getting ready to launch a campus in the Poconos. And wow. so that's the Poconos is about, 40 minutes west of us. And so it's not a vacation campus. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be a real, real brick and mortar campus. And so we have about 40 families ready to go. We're just looking for a place and we're going to just, you know, try to get that launched as soon as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's our heart. Amazing. Amazing. And yeah. so when you go to plant, uh, you know, a new campus and, um, what what is the prayer behind that? Like, do you see like the need of a community where there's there's not something happening here, or is it like you're just being led? Uh, how does how's that work? And maybe well, it's happen? it's all of those things. I think yeah. that launching a new campus is one of the greatest evangelistic things you can do because when you put a representation of of mm. the local church in a community, it's not that they don't have churches; they do have churches. But what we're bringing is a unique model it's going to complement what's there already That's and good. there's certain and there's certain people there that are not being ministered to yeah. and it requires someone who's going to come in with a different style different emphasis 
same gospel message, but it but it's packaged and its contextualization is a little bit different. And so that's what we're we're going to be doing. And so we've come a, come by way of the Poconos several ways. One, you know, the Lord has spoken to me about having ministry in Pennsylvania years ago. In fact, mm-hmm. it was during the Toronto revival. I went up to Toronto. Wow. And the Lord gave me a vision about that. And so it's been some, some time, but I'm getting to it. And we're, yeah. we're going to be doing it over the next couple of months. So we also assess the needs of the community and saying, what do they need? How can mm-hmm. we come alongside of them? And when we go into an area, we partner with the other churches. We don't go in and think that we're the, quote unquote, the answer. We've come right. to save the day. <laughs> we, we come in as a in a collaborative way to say, look, we're coming in just to do our part and add strength to you. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And so um, are you currently working on another book? Are you like, is that something? Oh, yeah. Like- I have a bunch of them <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. at the same time. <laughs> I'm sure. In fact, I, I did a, I just wrote a small little book that's under, it's editing right now. It's being edited. Yeah. It's called Anointed. Mm. And it's, you know, because I've looked in the Christian market and there's nothing really out there on that topic. And right. so I said, let me just, uh, you know, let me put my hands to the plow, so to speak. So I'm I'm demystifying the anointing. What is the anointing? How does it work? How do I discover what my anointing is? And I look at anointing not as, as quote unquote, it's an anointing for platform ministry in a local church. God mm. anoints us for every area. Some people are anointed to be artists. Others are anointed to be business people. Others are anointed to be thinkers. And, you know, they're the social architects, so to speak. You know, I look at a wow. guy like Be- Bez- Bezalel in scripture. He was anointed as an artisan, as a craftsman. Yeah. And so there are many kinds of anointings. And so I bring that to the surface and I help people discover what their anointing is. And there's a there's a reflection part of every at the end of every chapter, and the, in terms of personal exercises and their group exercises to facilitate group discussion. So that's one of the books I just finished, and it'll be out in uh, I guess a couple of months. And then wow. I'm working on another book called Included. Hmm. How do I make room for people that are different than me? How do I make room for them in my life? That's needed. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is needed. It's needed for me. Like, how do you, how, you know, there's so many differencing, you know, difference of opinions that, I mean, right off the, right off the back, opinions cause yeah. differences. And oh, not That's alone, true. just like our backgrounds and culture, it's just the opinions on, you know, politically and religion, what, you know, your, whatever dem- demographic it is, it's, uh, yeah going to cause true. differences and so yeah. and so that book is what i'm i'm passionate about that that's more of my life message so to speak yeah. it's building multiracial multi-ethnic communities how do you provide leadership in those areas how do you mm-hmm. practice awareness how can you how do you understand how other people are walking through this world based on their social markers how do you and how, and how do you how do you make space for them you know that, and Jesus is a master when yeah. it came to diversity and how to make space for people that were different than himself. And so, you know, I'm going to be talking about that. Awesome, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and you you have a very diverse church from what I've, um, I've only been there once, um, okay, or twice. I went there for a basic uh, event, uh, basic college ministries, and then I went uh, to a service once. I think with my dad a while ago. Okay, um, but very multicultural, very uh, multi generational as well. Yeah, and we have over 70 different nationalities, and so it's it took a lot of intentionality to get there, wow. and it still takes intentionality to keep it. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and to mm-hmm. model it and to grow it. And then the generational differences is good. I think our average age now, post-pandemic, I, the congregation got younger. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and so the average age, I think, is probably about 40 years old now. Wow. And so you know, late 30s, about 40, that type of thing. We did our last stats. And so yeah, that, that's pretty rewarding you yeah, know, when is. I see that. Yeah. So you'll so, see people next to each other. One person's in their 60s, another person's in their 20s. And when you ask them, whose church is this? You know, both of them say it's my church. It's not, yeah. they're not going to say, the 20-year-old doesn't say it's my parents' church. They say it's my church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of belonging and uh, identity within it. Yeah. Yeah. Within yeah. the community. So how how do you stay intentional? Um, you know, I guess when... I guess we can go back to like when you started, um, was the vision there to have that, um, you said as kind of your life message, uh, but was that vision there or did it develop over time? It, it happened actually when the church began, I was just 24 years old mm-hmm. and my wife was expecting our first child. So she asked me to go to the supermarket to get some food for her and the foods that didn't even, you shouldn't even be eating this, these <laughs> differences of food at the same time. Yeah. I don't even remember what she wanted, but I went to the store and the church was just two weeks old at the time. And yeah. so I didn't even know how to spell church. And so right. I was working, I was working at the time as a, as an environmental engineer. And so, so in the weekends, that's why I'm pastoring this tiny church, about uh, eight people we started with. Wow. And so, yeah, and so, and we're over 10,000 people now. And so, you know, you know, the graciousness of God's been there. But she asked me, my wife, Marlinda, asked me to go to the store and get some items for her. So mm-hmm. I took one of those little red hand baskets. I walked the basket and I walked into the store. I walked down the aisle, picking up the items that she wanted. I put it in the basket. And I remember, Josiah, getting to one particular aisle And it was so stark to me. When I looked down the end of the aisle, I saw different kinds of people. I saw Mm. whites. I saw Asians. I saw Latinos. I saw African-Americans. I saw biracial people. And it was just so stark. I saw them. And when I saw that, I heard the audible voice of God for the first time in my life. Wow. And the the Lord said to me, David, why can't it be like that in my house? Wow. And I started weeping uncontrollably. And you have to understand, I'm the guy, if you ever watched Star Trek, I'm the Vulcan. I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. Just the facts, you know. No emotions, yeah. just the facts. And here I am now, <laughs> with this kind of personality and right. and trait, and I'm weeping uncontrollably in the supermarket. That's that's bustling with people. Wow. And so when I when I got to the cashier with the stuff, she may have thought this is a this is some kind of this is a new trick to try to get food, free food. Right. And so I mean, I paid for my food and left. But when I got got home. I told my wife what happened, and we wept together. And it was at that day that was birth in my heart, the wow. cry of God's heart, when God said to me, why can't it be like that in my house? Wow. And so here I am now, 36 years, still chasing it. And and I, I when I went, I went uh, from engineering school, I went to, to, to seminary. That was my emphasis in seminary back then in, wow. in the... Uh, I guess the late eighties. And then, then when I did my PhD at uh, Regent university, my doctoral dissertation was on the black white relationship in large multiracial churches. So I went across the country studying multiracial churches. Hmm. And if the senior pastor was white, I would gather focus groups of people that were African-American. Similarly, if the senior pastor was African-American, I would gather focus groups of people that were white to try to understand why they why why are you here? What makes this your church? What attracts you to this church? And wow. so I was able to unearth a lot of answers to the question. 
And then I finished up a done the degree. I'm a school guy, so I like school. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went I went on to University of Cambridge several years ago and I finished up a, another degree in social innovation. And there my dissertation was on how do I develop intercultural competence training that white leaders enjoy? Hmm. In other words, so so an area of expertise is how do I help white leaders enjoy diversity training? How do I engage them so they're excited about it? And so that's what I do. And I so I do some of that in terms of some of my consulting and consultation to secular corporations as well as churches and parachurches. The point I'm bringing out is that what God spoke to me 36 years ago yeah. is still driving me in terms wow. of I'm, uh, I want to make sure I make a difference in building multiracial churches and multiracial organizations on a global scale. Yeah. Wow. So, so you, so you have your hands in both the church and in the business world and Correct. H- how's that balance for, for your personal life? I think I mean, like, it, the balance is there. Cause I, I try to make sure you could, you, you don't have a strong ministry unless you have a strong marriage. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a strong marriage. I mean, we're <laughs> empty nesters now. And so, right. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but we have a strong marriage and a healthy marriage. Yeah. Now, what I do, I like to be involved in the different sectors of society. And so I'm involved in the educational sector, as well as the business sector, you know, not as much in the political sector, but certainly in the family sector and the religious sector, I'm involved. And Mm -hmm. and I do that in several ways from not only in terms of lecturing in university, but also consulting in business. I like it because my gifts provide benefit to people in all those arenas. And I think that we have to then discover that when God calls us, and I can speak specifically for myself, when God called me and he gave me an assortment of gifts, my gifts are used to improve society. And so if I can improve society, be it in the church, be it in the world, you know, in the broader society, then I'm going to use my gifts for the glory of God. And that's Amazing. what I do. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm at peace. And I'm at peace with that. I think that sometimes we get stuck and we think that. We have to just stay in one sector and that's it. And if we're in the church, if we step out of the church to do something else for God, then we're wrong or we're disobeying God. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Like, it's just, it's cool to, um, you know, we use the word favor a lot, but like, it seems like just out of obedience to that shopping aisle moment where you heard God's voice and it's just uh, amazing to hear the favor that's been um, lavished on you in that way. Not that I'm not saying it was always easy. I'm right. sure it wasn't when you're growing from eight people to 10,000 over the years. It, there's a lot of challenges that come with that um, up sure. and downs. Uh, but it's just amazing to hear like walking in obedience, taking the call, having the burden, um, you know, with you, if you crying when that's not the normal, you know, you're saying yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cool to hear like what God is just doing and continues to do in your life through just walking in that, you know, you're just taking the yes and letting that fuel you and drive you to the call. And you're so right. And many times in the confusion, that's when I have to go to God, when I don't understand or I find that the gifts that I have, they sometimes are at tension with one another. And I know that may sound odd, but at this stage in my ministry, there are certain gifts I have that if I use them, they mm-hmm. pull me away from my purpose. And it, it sounds weird because I have an organizational gift. But if I spend my time really giving myself to organizational fluidity and structure and those kinds of things, 
and not do the bigger, more prudent things, yeah. then my very gift that is to bring order out of chaos can bring chaos, so to speak, in my own life because that season is behind me for the most part. I have other people on my team that are very capable and they need to be doing that while I can do other things that they may not be able to do. Wow. So, you know, so it, it, it's it's pretty weird. And, and journeying through those stages is what makes it a little bit, it requires you to be on your knees to help for God to give you wisdom to know what to do and what to do with your feelings, the feelings that you're feeling you never felt before. Mm-hmm. And when it's almost like one person said it this way, when God closes the door, he opens another one. But mm-hmm. here's what they said. He said, but there's hell in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> so, <True. laughs> so when you're in that hallway, <laughs> between the doors, that's where the hell is going on. <laughs> right. I feel like I've been in the hallway for the past year and a half a little bit. Okay. And so now the new door is opening. I'm like, okay, let's walk yeah. in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. That's funny. Wow. Anybody can relate to that statement right there. So Awesome. I want to go back to um, your book coming out, um, Anointed, uh, yes. and ask some questions about that because that is coming out, and I want people to jump on that when it does come out. Um, and so you said you like looked, and there's not much on the topic of that, especially in the perspective that you have when it comes to it. Um, you know, even you kind of giving a snippet about it made me think like, wow, I haven't even thought about that. Like, oh yeah, obviously when you see somebody who does an incredible painting, I was just on scrolling on Instagram and you know, I follow this thing called art daily. There's things on there. I'm like, how does there, how are they painting these things? And people like years ago painted something completely different and arts just changed and people, you know, that's a tangent for another day, but it just got me thinking like, I could, I couldn't do that because I don't have the skill. Not that I can't teach myself the skill over time, but there are people that it comes naturally to and sure. Christian or non-Christian, I would say, do you think that, um, you know, you're born with an anointing or is that developed through practice or what does that look uh, like? I'm going to make the distinction between gifting and anointing. Okay. Every, every one of us has gifts. We have traits that mm-hmm. have been endowed by God. And uh, these gifts, some of them are motivational gifts. That means they're wired within within us. That means prior to me being born again, they're gifts that I received, an assortment of gifts, and yeah. I use them. An anointing is when God empowers that gift and brings it, he puts a touch on that gift. And when you're and when you're engaged in that gift, it's supernatural, the impact of it. And so yeah. that's how the distinction is. But that book, when I look at it, or when I brought out uh, various truths about the anointing, I looked at it historically to say, okay, let me look at some of the early church fathers. Okay. The areas in which they were gifted. And what were their anointings like? What did they say about the anointing? Then let's look at the biblical narrative. For example, the book of Acts or some of the Old Testament passages. Let's see some of the anointed people. What did they do? What made them special? What made them unique? And then let's look at some modern figures and let's see their anointing. Let's say a Billy Graham. Let's mm-hmm. say a Oral Roberts. And I'm using those guys as preachers. And then I talked about some artists. That people that are anointed in that area and not just the preaching or the singing as we most commonly refer to the anointing and make that association, but it's broader than that. And so I looked at it in a more holistic way in order to help the reader say, I resonate with that or I resonate with this or I found myself in this area. And the reflective exercises helps them to really then 
probe and investigate their hearts, almost like look at a journal and see where have you been anointed. If you if you can look back over your last, let's say, last three years when you were doing specific things, people complimented you, people affirmed you, people sensed when you did what you did, it brought them closer to God. There was a redemptive edge to mm -hmm. your you know to to your work or to to that uh, action that you took. Then you can start seeing by looking at your own quote unquote journal and reflection. Hey, I'm anointed in that area. Because many times when the areas in which we're anointed, we don't even know we're anointed in that area because we think that is just normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, and and right. all, the, all the people look at it and say, wait a second, that's not normal. I can't do that. I can't do that with that kind of touch, <laughs> with that <laughs> impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I, people always say about myself that like, oh, you're kind of like a jack of all trades, but then the, you know, the backhanded comment of that is like, but a master of none. And uh, do you feel like an anointing is like almost like a mastery? You know, they say it takes this many kind of hours to master something, but um, when God, you know, puts that anointing on it, or um, I've heard it said almost like the anointing is like a, a cream you put on. It's like, okay. it, you know, it, I don't know the truth behind that, but, um, and that, that guy like puts this like cream over as you're, you're anointed uh, or like an oil over you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that happens. And when that yeah. happens, I now then encourage people to say, okay, yes, you're anointed, but how do you develop your anointing? Mm. So, so, okay. and it, it specific things you have to do because you, you're a steward of the anointing. So I have to develop my anointing through prayer, through fasting, through understanding as to what yeah. my anointing is and what it is not. And in some instances, I, you know, my book, I do it some of the myths that we must dethrone. Like we think the anointing, the anointing supports character development or the anointing affirms the development of your character. It's two separate things. Uh, there are a lot of people that are very anointed, but their character, I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't walk across the street to, yeah. <laughs> with them because their, their ethics, their morality is so bankrupt, that, but yet they're anointed. because And so that's why I conclude that the anointing and character are not the same things, nor that's is good. the anointing an, affirma an affirmation of someone's character. Yeah, that's good because you do see a lot of, you know, I've I've sat in many, you know, messages of people if we're talking about the anointing in this, in the area of like you know, preaching, public speaking, uh, where I'm just impacted greatly. The spirit's moving, things are happening, but then you find out years later that there's a moral failure or something or right. behind the scenes stuff. And um, and you just sit back and think like, what, what you know, you almost question your moments of those when you're sitting in there, like, oh, were they not, you know, were they not doing those things then when they were speaking and I was impacted so much? Or was it just, um, hype because of the lights and the music and stuff and, like and, that. And know? they may, they may, they may very well have been doing those things. And what yeah. you sense was a genuine anointing. I think it's the kindness of God that allows someone to mm. experience His the touch of the Holy Spirit on their life, and yet they still have not repented to the degree that they need to. And so God's kindness, as Scripture says, leads a man to repentance. And sometimes it's just God; it's just being kind. Because if wow. God would have uncovered you know, individuals, I mean, <laughs> it would not be pretty. And I think uh, maybe a lot of us would just probably lose hope in regards to the uh, the integrity of the local church. But yeah. uh, that's why I challenge people, don't, don't pursue the anointing without working on the development of your character and integrity and ethics. Wow, that is yeah. good. Yeah.
That is great. Yeah. Awesome. And you said that's going to be coming out in a couple months. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Looking, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I'm going to get that yeah. for sure. I, I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued and uh, yeah. uh, excited about reading that. So um, I just had, you know, one, one more real question for you. And, you know, before we close um, the, this podcast is called your authentic life. Um, I wrote a book called authentic you about uh, you know, we live in a world that says, you know, you be you and uh, I'm just, this is just me. I'm, this is me. I'm authentic. I'm authentic of this person, but I think it's a twisted mindset versus how God sees us. And the whole point of the book is, you know, God sees you as a masterpiece. God sees you as his child. And that's what it means to live authentically is to live as his children and in that identity that we're called to. Um, And not just this, oh, you know, you know, this is who I am. You just got to deal with it kind of personality, but like, no, I'm, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Uh, but to you, when you hear the word um, authentic or authenticity, like what, what stands out to you the most when, it, when you are think of, I'm called to be authentic. I hear sincerity. I hear transparency, <laughs> vulnerability, yeah. realness. Yeah. Those values to me that are enduring values. And so I really, like that statement that uh, that you made, and so yeah, I think that uh, if we can all live authentic lives, lives that just really, just they show sincerity mm-hmm. and, and yeah. integrity, a cleanness to them, it's going to be very attractive. Yeah, yeah. awesome, simple, yeah. right to the point. There, yeah, amazing. So, yeah. Uh, what's the best place that people can like follow you, hear your message, buy your books? Um, you know, directly from you. I know there's better ways to buy books than others. So you yeah, know, you get it. Well, but... DavidIreland.org is my website. Okay. Yeah, and all of my social media handles are at Doctor Dr. David Ireland. Yeah. Awesome. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Fantastic. Excellent. Well. I am completely honored that uh, you are here and that you're my first guest on this new season. And uh, I just really enjoyed my conversation with you. And I I really hope to come down and visit at some point uh, in Jersey. And I know that we we will be down there close at some point this year because my wife works for somebody in New York City as a virtual assistant. And we might we might hop hop over there. It could happen. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Please make sure we touch base, Josiah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. and it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, Dr. David Ireland, uh, incredible man of God, incredibly doing just wonderful things for his community, uh, the heart for just reaching the widows and orphans and the multi-ethnicities within his area, what God has done from that vision that he got for hearing the audible voice of God in a grocery store or just like a Target or whatever, wherever he was, just looking down the aisle from that moment when you hear the call of God and you walk in obedience and great things happen and and he gives all glory to God as nothing he's done in his own strength and what what the impact that through his ministry has throughout the his region is incredible. So now here's this new segment we're going to be doing per episode called Pick and Flick. <laughs> Hey 
everybody. Welcome to the Pick and Flick Reviews. Today, I am going to tell you about Oppenheimer. I just watched this movie last week, and uh, let me just say, I loved it. Uh, it was an incredible movie, and there was just so much about it. Christopher Nolan, one, is just an incredible storyteller. Somehow, he takes something that's real in history and still puts this weird twist in it. Like, you can literally Google like history and know what happens but for some reason you're still on the edge of your seat watching this and there's this big twist and it's like wow i didn't know that happened though if you knew anything about the history you kind of knew what had happened but the way he does it incredible no spoilers here um if you want to be spoiled at all just open up your old eighth grade uh world history book and you will be able to understand exactly what happened uh during world war ii and oppenheimer but it's starring cecilian murphy and and robert downey jr and incredible cast uh across the board and i just want to give it I, I would say this is a pick movie uh, depending on who you are and who's listening, I, I you know it is an R movie, so there is a lot of swearing. There's some sex and nudity in it, uh, so not recommended for kids. But for uh, just the audience listening to this, I say it is a pick, no flick of a movie. Uh, do not flick this one out. It is a pick because uh, it was just beautifully done. Now I do have to say I saw an IMAX, which I would highly recommend. Um, if you are like my wife, you don't like IMAX and you get sick at movies, maybe not watch it in IMAX, but it was just beautifully done. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's one of those one shot movies, uh, where you watch it. It's incredible. Um, three hours long. It is a long movie. It goes by kind of quick. It's a lot of back and forth, but it is wonderful. Now I'm not going to give this kind of review for every single movie I watch. Uh, I do like a lot of movies, uh, but I definitely want to expand uh, myself in what I do watch. So if you do have any ideas on movies and what you uh, uh, want me to see or review, let me have it. I will go and watch them. I will review it and put it on the episode at the end of each episode here. So in the segment, but yep, I say this is a pick movie for sure. Go and see it. If you if it's still in theaters, go and find it. Watch it in theaters. That's the best experience you're going to see this movie in. You watch it at home, that's fine. But if you have like an indoor movie theater at home, watch it there. If you have surround sound, watch it there. The sound, the visuals, everything about it is incredible. And no special effects were done in this movie. Now, when I read that, I saw articles saying he used a real atomic bomb in the, uh, in the filming, but that is not true. Uh, my wife Googled it. She turned into me. I Googled everything. I fact-checked myself, and it is not true. They didn't use a real atomic bomb, but the, he made it look like it, and it's just beautifully done well. I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to be nominated for Supporting Actor. I think Cecilian Murphy might be nominated for Best Actor. This is definitely going to be nominated for Best Picture. Uh, for This is all for Oscars, just so you know. Uh, I like to give my predictions on it. And, uh, yeah, so that is my review of this movie. Again, it is our Go See With Caution. There is scenes in it that are somewhat unnecessary, um, somewhat necessary. Uh, if I'm going to score this out of 10, uh, I would give it, you know, a 7.5 and that's good for me. It has, if it's going to be a 10, it has to be a mine 
mind-blowing, incredible movie. No pun intended with the mind-blowing. But uh, it, it has to be just, it really has to move me. Uh, there's only a few movies I have given a 10 in my life. Uh, but this is not one of them, just for other aspects that I you know, wouldn't see it again. Um, I, just because it was so long and because, uh, there was those suggestive things in it. So it's not really for me. So, uh, without that, you know, without that stuff, it might've been up a little bit higher. Uh, but yeah, overall incredible film, go and see it. If you are of the age to see that kind of movie, uh, but thank you for listening to pick and flick. <laughs> Thank you.